I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast. Coming up, I've got two big anniversaries. First, we'll hear Brian Eno talking about his ambient concepts as we celebrate the 40th anniversary of Ambient One, music for airports. Then I've got Van Gellis talking about his long career on his 75th birthday. Those kind of interviews are just the tip of what we bring you at Echoes, besides high-profile artists like Eno and Van Gellis, Tori Amos, Lorena McKennett, and Moby, we also bring you artists you've never heard about before. Echoes and the Echoes podcast are all about discovery, but it takes a lot of time and money to do it, especially to provide the podcast completely free. Please help support the process so we can do even more. Go to echoes.org and become a member of the Echoes Sound Circle. We need great music more than ever. Go to echoes.org so we can keep bringing it to you. Now let's get to our features, beginning with Brian Eno. It's the 40th anniversary of Brian Eno's Ambient One, Music for Airports. There isn't a single electronic, ambient, or progressive musician who doesn't genuflect at this quietly game-changing piece of music. It was an album of slowly shifting textures and subtle, unfolding melodies, most of it constructed with tape loops. Like the music, it had slowly evolving repercussions that are still being felt today. We've talked to Eno many times over the years, and in the early 2000s, we put him in a series called Thoughts in Sound. On the 40th anniversary of Music for Airports, here's Thoughts in Ambience from Brian Eno. Composers were still making music as though people were buying the record, rushing home, putting it on and sitting in front of their stereo with their ears glued in the way that one watches a film or something like that. Now, I'm sure you would agree that that isn't the common experience of people listening to music anymore. Uh, music has become part of the tapestry of your life, like lighting is, or like um, the environmental sound that you hear anyway is. Anyway, I was excited by, by the idea of making music that acknowledged that and said, here, here's a music specially for that. Here's a music that is intended to merge into the environment. I want the notion of something that was steady state in the sense that uh, it was always pretty much reliably similar, but it was never exactly the same. A little bit like any natural process, you know, like uh, watching a river or something like that, where it doesn't pull many really big surprises on you, but at the same time it never repeats itself perfectly. So I want to make some music that had that rather homogenous but ever-changing character to it. message to high-end audio lovers. <laughs> Don't expect too much high-end in the future of music. People are going to be 
experimenting with texture and uh, with a sort of retro approach to recording. Distortion is a is a negative word for a very interesting situation. Distortion is really the production of other harmonics, strange harmonics. It's the creation of a new sonic spectrum within things. These are all quite legitimate areas of concern, but they happen to get this name distortion, so people people flee in fear from them, you know. Hi-fi is all to do with clarity. I'm really not interested in it. Clarity is something that you you use in the architecture of a piece, like you use windows. You know, you don't have all windows. Uh, you you also want uh, dark places and um, places where you can shut the door. <laughs> and there's a sort of assumption, which is very much like that building over there, that all glass is marvelous. Well, it isn't. That's that's a horrible kind of building to be in. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> I want places to hide. Brian Eno on the 40th anniversary of Music for Airports. I could not find an exact date for this release except for the month of March 1978. And now let's move to another major landmark, the 75th birthday of Vangelis. In the 1970s and early 80s, Vangelis was synonymous with orchestral electronic music, the way Miles Davis is synonymous with jazz and Pete Seeger with folk music. Whether it's his film soundtracks for Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner, or his epic albums like Albedo 0.39 and Heaven and Hell, the sound of Vangelis has shaped much of Echoes. There was a time when Vangelis wouldn't give out his age or birth date, but now we know he was born on March 29, 1943, and now he turns 75. Vangelis rarely gives interviews, but I got to speak with him twice, once in 1982 for the radio series Totally Wired, and again in 2001 for Echoes. We put these interviews together eight years ago for our 20 Icons of Echoes series. Kimberly Haas starts by taking us back to that first interview in April 1982 with Vangelis. It's 1982, and Vangelis has just won the Academy Award for his soundtrack to Chariots of Fire. The Greek keyboardist didn't take much time to savor his Oscar. He was more concerned about its consequences. One of the dangers now, a big risk today after the huge success of Chariots of Fire, maybe people, they think that my next album is going to be like that. And every time they call me, they say, you are number one here and there, and you have platinum there, double platinum there, I mean, whatever, I'm, 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 I'm terrified. Because how am I going to convince those thousands of people that really, say, this is just one moment? In his Nemo Studios in London, 
He was already putting the finishing touches on a darker, more sinister soundtrack for the science fiction thriller Blade Runner. Back in 1982, when we first interviewed Van Gallis, he was a handsome, burly man with jet black hair and beard. When we saw him again in 2001, he was a little more burly, and his long hair was streaked with gray. But the composer was no less an imposing figure, as he punctuated comments with a wave of his thick cigar. Born in Greece in 1943 as Evangelos Papatanasio, he says he was a self-taught musician who began playing at the age of four. Even then, he was looking for new sounds. I played tunes, and especially my own tunes. I used to open this big grand piano we used to have at home, and I used to pull the strings and, and create incredible noises, sounds. Out of, and I drive my mother crazy because she thought I'm going to break the piano, but I never did. I was not 100% satisfied but with one sound, the conventional piano sound. And then, of course, when I had the synthesizers, you know, everything changed. Vangelis left Greece in the early 1970s during the political upheaval there and took his rock group, Aphrodite's Child, to Paris. When they broke up, the synthesizer allowed Vangelis to be a one-man band. His first solo album was Earth, but it was the next recording in 1975, Heaven and Hell, that established Vangelis's reputation for orchestral synthesis. When I've done Heaven and Hell is the, the period that I had the minimum collection of electronic instruments at that time. Maybe I did it with one or maximum two very simple synthesizers. Uh, but I mean, I tried to produce this, this orchestral big sound. Vangelis didn't just play synthesizers. At one end of his studio was a stage covered with tubular bells, timpanis, congos, and just about anything else you can bang on. His music frequently uses folk themes and instruments. On China, Vangelis dedicated an entire album to Asian ambiences, and in 1979, he returned to his own Greek roots. Odes was an album of folk tunes sung by the renowned Greek vocalist and actress Irini Pappas. And this music until two years ago, everybody used to play with conventional instruments, and it's like a museum piece. And because of this, this music dies every day. Now, I play that music that I learned when I was two, three, four, I don't know, as, as long as I remember, and I played my way. It's nothing to do with the conventional way. The, the songs are the, exactly the same, uh, the feel is exactly the same, but the way of expression is different. The synthesizers they bring much more universal way of expression.
Whether Vangelis is composing a film score, crafting an electronic orchestra, or playing pop tunes with Yes singer John Anderson, he says he doesn't write any of his music down, but simply plays it spontaneously. Always is the first take I do. I don't play once in the size of the time. I play three or four. So immediately you have a spectrum of sound quite important. As if to prove it, Vangelis moves over to his bank of electronic keyboards and begins to play. quickly sets up a Baroque-style sequence and begins improvising with multiple keyboards on top of it. Two decades later, when Vangelis mounted his composition Methodia for orchestra, choir, and soprano singers, nothing had changed. You might think he slaved for years over this grandiose, hour-long work. Methodia took one, one hour to compose. It was from top to bottom. Methodia conductor Blake Neely transcribed Vangelis' synthesizer version into orchestral form. He actually plays everything at the same time and he's got this special customized um, setup that he had specially made with foot pedals. I mean, he's orchestrating as he plays. He feels a oboe, so he'll bring in the pedal of the oboes and then, uh, you know, bring in the strings, bring in the choir. And it all goes on a tape live. And all of those great masterpieces of Vangelis, you know, Chariots of Fire, Conquest of Paradise, they've all been one takes. He just does it says, I'm happy with it, let's mix it, we're done. Although he began as a pop musician in the 1960s, playing in Aphrodite's Child, Vangelis' own image of himself is more of a classical composer. I think that this piece, Methodia, is classical music. And I think that in 10 years, 20 years, people recognize it as classical. He's always wanted to be recognized as a great composer, not a synth composer, not a new age composer, not a film composer. And this may be the piece that people finally say, oh, I get it, you're, you're a composer. No category applied. Despite all the orchestras, Vangelis remains true to his synthesizer roots. To this electronic icon, technology is as natural as a drum. When you listen to, to a thunder, or say this is a natural sound, I mean, come on, it's the same thing with the synthesizers, it's exactly the same. Wind, the air, I mean, the, the water, everything. It's the same thing. Electricity, energy, amazing. Vangelis' output has slowed considerably in the new millennium. 
There have been no albums since Methodia, and outside of the score to Alexander in 2004, no major film soundtracks. But Vangelis' impact on music remains powerful. Echoes listeners voted Vangelis number 11 of 20 icons of Echoes. For Echoes, I'm Kimberly Haas. Vangelis turned 75 on March 29th. I've got a list of 10 essential Vangelis albums up on the website. That's at echoes.org. I'm John DiLiberto. Thanks for tuning in to this special Echoes podcast. Coming up on next week's show, I'll talk to the director of a new film called Mantra Sounds into Silence, which documents the Kirtan movement. We'll also have Deva Pramal and Mitten, Jai Utal and White Sun on that piece. That's next week in the Echoes podcast. See you on Echoes. <laughs>